Happy Friday, everybody. It's the Informations 411, your weekly look from the reporting team at the information uh, at the stories we've written, uh, the story behind the story, and just other items in the news that we find interesting. My name is Tom Dutan. I work here at the Information. Today's episode is short. I'm going to be upfront with you about that. It is not as long as we normally go, but I've got you covered. First of all, doesn't lack for content, doesn't lack for great, interesting material. I am talking to Matt Drange, who wrote an excellent piece looking at the trends in exporting sensitive U.S. technology. This is not a subject that I knew much about at all, uh, but Matt, of course, does. And he looked at, uh, he basically pulled a bunch of government data, FOIA'd a bunch of government data, and was able to see that you know, under the Trump administration, the number of the amount of U.S. exports of uh, sensitive technology uh, has declined. And uh, that's part of a larger uh, effort by the Trump administration to keep a more close full eye on where exactly uh, some of the U.S.'s most sensitive technology is going, uh, but that also affects the companies that creates this stuff. Uh, it's a very different world to the part of the tech industry that we write about, but uh, unquestionably interesting and important. And in addition to our conversation, I also want to plug uh, that for those of you that are subscribers out there, you should check out the actual story uh, because it has an excellent chart that was put together by uh, Matt and our graphics editor in New York, Mike Sullivan that really drills down on where around the world U.S. sensitive technology is going. And, um, you know, some of these stories can occasionally get lost in the weeds of numbers, but uh, uh, having a handy chart that really clearly lays it all out uh, really kind of brings it to focus. So uh, definitely you should, uh, after listening to this interview, hop on over to your uh, internet machine and, uh, and, and check out the story. So uh, I mentioned to you that this is a special episode uh, beyond just being a little bit short. Uh, we've also got a couple of bonus episodes coming your way in the next couple of days. We are fresh off our annual subscriber summit that I've been plugging uh, frequently during the podcast. That happened yesterday on Thursday. And um, the next episode that we are going to be sending out, uh, I say as a bonus episode, is going to be Jessica Lesson's interview with Fiji Simo. But we've got a bunch of other ones coming too, including interviews with Max Levchin, uh, the CEO of Instacart of Porva Meta, uh, and, and plenty of other things that I've, uh, I've mentioned on the show. So uh, those are going to be coming at you fast and furious in the next few days. Uh, so keep a lookout for that. But for now, my conversation with Matt Drange and uh, his look into sensitive U.S. technology. All right, Drange, uh, very interesting study story, uh, a collection of data that you put together uh, that looked at sensitive U.S. technology and its export. And this is something that I had not thought at all about, just the importance and, and distribution of what you describe as sensitive U.S. technology and, you know, the kind of regulation and oversight the U.S. government has over where it gets to go. Um, why don't you just explain what you mean by sensitive U.S. technology? Like what qualifies in you know, the data set that you were looking at? Yeah, sure. So the, the broad uh, definition of all the stuff that's in this story, which is a lot, uh, is called dual use technology, meaning there's a possible military application and a civilian one. So examples could be certain types of advanced semiconductors, say, to be used in a uh, ID badge for the Pentagon or in some sort of fighter jet um, where you wouldn't want, you'd, you'd want to have the supply chain be completely U.S. based and have zero foreign or Chinese. Right, uh, for risk of some sort of tampering. National security risk, sure. yeah. Um, uh, other examples could be certain types of drones. Um, uh, other things would be things like night vision, 
um, uh, advanced encryption software, things where you could see uh, a foreign government taking an interest in, as we are in many cases, the leading developers of that technology. And so the US government just wants to keep tabs on where is this going and who is the end user. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea with this is that we're gonna regulate all of the export of, of this huge uh, a group of technologies, which is growing, and we can talk about that too. They're going to add to it soon, the Trump administration is. But the whole idea is to let's monitor this stuff and make sure that it doesn't end up in the hands of a foreign government that we don't see eye to eye with. So Syria, Iran, North Korea, etc. Interesting. So this is technology that the U.S. is selling to other countries. It's going to the Middle East. It's going to South America, wherever. That's not the problem. The, 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 the thing that they're focusing on now is we just want to make sure that we have a good handle on all the different places that it's going and regulate it as, as we see fit, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and the key question is, who is that end user? So one example that people might be familiar with is this uh, company called Blue Coat. They made an advanced spyware. And in 2012 or 2013, it ended up in the hands of the Syrian government, which used it to spy on their own citizens. When that became publicly known, uh, the U.S. government and the agency that over oversees this, the Bureau of Industry and Security, this tiny division of the Commerce Department, they sanctioned uh, and fined that company, Blue Coat, uh, for essentially letting that technology get into the hands of what we would consider the bad guy. Right. Um, yeah, many. So what did you find when you analyzed this data here? I mean, what did what, what is the trend in terms of how much this technology is getting exported? So there are a couple trends. Number one, um, we've seen a steady increase the last decade. So the data goes back to 2010. And we've seen a steady increase in the overall volume of exports. So, you know, as, as you It's a good expect, business, right? Well, it's a good business. And just, you know, generally, the global economy is becoming more spread out, right? And these companies that are based here, right, in Silicon Valley, uh, are have a market all over the world. And so we're seeing a huge uptick. So every year, pretty steady uptick in the overall volume of uh, license applications that these companies have to apply for, which is what the data show, and also those that are approved. Um, so that's number one. And number two, what we saw is a pretty clear um, break when the Trump administration came in. You can see a couple different ways that they have had an impact on this. So the first one is the last two years, we've seen a large increase in the value of these applications that were denied. So when a company uh, submits something, they have to say, okay, here's the type of technology. This is generally what it is. Um, this is the end user in this country. And this is roughly how much it's worth. Uh, and so what we've seen the last couple of years is the Trump administration uh, has really uh, tried to clamp down on the export of technology, particularly to China, right, um, as we've, we've often heard about. Uh, what we're seeing is an increase in uh, the number of applications that are getting denied. Um, and the other thing that I, I should add is that the attorneys, um, there's a whole bunch of attorneys that all these tech companies rely on to advise them uh, on this. And they tell me, I've talked to a bunch of them, and they all say that it's taking a lot longer to get applications approved under the Trump administration. So right. another trend. Right. And what specifically within the Trump administration's policies do you see this trend connecting to? What are they, what is the larger goal they're trying to, you know, achieve? So I think one good example that kind of shows that is is uh, certain types of semiconductors that are part of China's Made in 2025 plan, which I think we've talked about on, on previous episodes, um, where the Chinese government wants to have a lot of this advanced tech made uh, at home. Uh, we're seeing those either denied or delayed uh, from U.S. companies now. Uh, another example is um, companies, a lot of smaller companies or mid-sized companies that did business with Huawei or ZTE are now having to apply for uh, these licenses when they didn't have to before. 
And we're seeing those take a lot of time and get a lot of scrutiny, of course, because those companies have been in the news uh, and been sanctioned and, uh, you know, have had all sorts of baggage uh, associated with them just for doing business with them. Right. So you're seeing really you're seeing Trump's trade war and, you know, all the stuff that he's tweeting, having a a very real on the ground impact that um, some of these attorneys uh, have described to me as a chilling effect in Silicon Valley, where you're having a tougher time if you're a company here justifying and getting those exports approved than you did even just two three years ago right and business-wise they're seeing a bottom line impact i mean this is absolutely affecting these companies businesses in a, in a negative way uh you know yes um but there's a caveat there which is that we don't know which companies are applying for these licenses the government does not release that so i can't tell you and the data don't show uh the names of the companies um, however the attorneys that they rely on for advice and, and consulting with this have said that, of course, you know, by and large, it has not it certainly hasn't helped them. Right, right. And so, going forward, what can these companies do? Is there? It's it's a, a bit of an obscure field within the tech world, so I, it's hard for me to think there's a huge lobbying arm these companies can rely on to, to ease some of these restrictions. I mean, how do you how do you manage to change this? Is this a backroom deal kind of thing? Do you have to find a sensitive or a receptive member in uh, I don't know under Mick Mulvaney or someone like that who's willing to champion this cause and reverse the the trend or it's just hope that a new administration comes in and views it differently so it's actually a, a pretty transparent process that has been playing out for about two years now um, that the commerce department is overseeing and it's called uh, it, basically what they're doing is they're redefining quote-unquote critical emerging technologies so the trump administration cast when he came in office a very broad net over what that looks like includes things that we care about here, such as uh, AI, driverless vehicles, quantum computing, all sorts of stuff that touches a whole bunch of companies. So when they introduced this plan back in 2017, they gave companies a large window to weigh in publicly and submit letters and say, hey, we think you should define it as this, or we, you know, we don't think you should define this, right? You know, as you would typically see with this, a lot of companies are saying you shouldn't regulate large swaths of this and that it's fine as it is. So what we're seeing right now is that tension playing out, and it's actually going to come to a head pretty soon. Uh, the Commerce Department has said recently uh, that they plan to uh, release, now they have all this feedback, release their new definitions of what what all critical emerging tech is by the end of the year. And so next year is actually you're going to see, uh, most likely you're going to see a large increase in the volume of applications because certain technologies that you never had to apply for a license before, you're going to have to apply again. And so. What that means for these companies is they're going to need to lawyer up and you know learn the rules, um, get a handle on what they can and can't do, and and figure it out. Right, right. And earlier, by the way, I I said Mick Mulvaney is someone in charge of it. Clearly, this is Wilbur Ross. If it's the Commerce yes. Department, so so listen yes. up, Wilbur. You got a bunch of applications headed your way. All right, uh, Drange, excellent job as always. And I want to make a plug to uh, those listening out there who enjoyed hearing about uh, Matt's story. It's even more fascinating if you can kind of check out the way that the data was graphed and visually interpreted on the site. It's an excellent job that both uh, you and Mike Sullivan, our graphics editor out in New York, put together. So there's a whole lot more that you can gain on on this topic, not just by hearing Drange, but by going to the site. Uh, All right, Matt, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me.